Hi, welcome to another Happy Startup School Community Podcast. It is a beautiful sunny day here in Brighton. It's uh, Easter Sunday. Uh, and I've just uh, finished listening to the latest episode, which will be coming out this Wednesday. Um, this is another episode which is more of an intimate conversation and exploration um, with one of our Happy Startup members. In this case, it's with Mark Gordon, a longtime member of our community and also a veteran of our Happy Startup summer camp. I think it's a great bridge between the last two episodes, which were with Charles Davies um, and Max St. John, where in those two episodes we talked about clarity, conflict and also needs. Uh, And in the next four episodes after this one, I'm going to be focusing more on the Happy Startup Summer Camp and telling the story of that event. So this is a quite nice little crossover because uh, Mark talks about his experience working, well, talking to Charlie and, and... how his ideas of getting clear helped Mark get clear about what he wanted to do and also how being at summer camp set him on this path of trying to find um, more meaningful work and creating Mundo Novus. So if you're just starting out on your own journey and trying to find out what work feels more meaningful to you or you're stuck in a rut and you just don't know what to do about it then I do recommend having a listen. Uh, and yeah, I, I just I just did the wrong thing, really, in terms of rather than park it and write that thing later, I felt a need to get it out straight away. And then there's that feeling of feeling rushed. <laughs> oh yes. Well, well, hopefully, so, you can be in the in the right space for it um, when we when you get back to it. Yes. No, I think it's that challenge of. Um, or the challenge I have, I would say, mm. of when the energy takes you and you want to go with it and you want to, because it's there, it's like ripe, it's fresh, it's it's mm. a, it's alive. Um, versus having a kind of a more structured approach to things, that makes sense. And actually, I have scheduled this thing for this time, so I should be doing that. Yeah, I understand because that. there's other things that need to be done on you know like there's a whole litany of things that need to be done that you kind of planned out for the day, but actually the thing that has energy, the thing that wants to be done right now is is something else. Yeah, yeah, I hear you. <laughs> I know, I know that feeling as well. Do you get that regularly? Um, yeah, I think it's. Um... It's a case where um, if you don't strike, it's that uh, that old saying of striking while the iron's hot. If you don't strike when the iron's hot, sometimes you you completely miss the um, you miss the mark when you come back to it. You know. Hmm. Yeah, and I think that's that's the thing is like, and then you might not be able to get it back. Yeah, the mark is gone. Um. So yeah. That's that's the the fun of it. So I just want to check how am I sounding? Uh, you sounding good to me. Yeah, nice good. My ears. I just want to make sure I'm using the right microphone. Um, it's that thing with podcasts. You know, my my intention was this idea of making it effortless to create, and then you realise, oh. Uh, that doesn't sound as great. And, oh, I have a lot of people saying, oh, the intro, the volume on the intro is really, really low. I was like, oh, 
that means I need to do something there. It's becoming less less effortless. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but anyway, um, thank you for for coming on board and no um, for problem. being part of this. Uh, and I th- the the reason I was keen to talk to you was I, I saw your thing appear, your your business, yeah, uh, yeah. the offering that you have. Um, and my intention with with this podcast is is to share those stories of of these journeys people are on within the community to build things and make things, uh, and then to learn not only about what it is they do and and the, the the value they're creating in the world, but also what that has meant for them. Yeah, in terms of that journey. Yeah, indeed, um, and it's a good opportunity to to kind of reflect on that for myself as well really um on on how i got to to where i am right now um and it has been an interesting journey of when i first kind of started on this thing i'd um i'd only just moved to the northwest which gave me a moment where i could step back from what i've been doing in the southeast uh, as uh, as my kind of day-to-day work um, and look at what I wanted to do a bit more Um, and so while I was thinking about those sorts of things um, I was having a few discussions with friends and it's these things all seem to work kind of serendipitously that is it's that thing as soon as you start talking about it to people uh, what you what you plan on doing um, people will will start to say, oh, that sounds a bit like um, or, or sounds like something my, my friends would be interested in or sounds like something you could benefit from um, talking to so-and-so about. And I think, I mean, it's quite hazy now because it's about four years ago, um, nearly four and a half years ago. But I think I had a conversation with Tom Nixon around that time and he put <laughs> me on to um, Happy Startup uh, School uh, initially. Um and a lot of the things that I was very interested in were coming up in in the, the conversations and the um, uh, the materials that you put together with Lawrence um, in the school. So there was all, all that sort of stuff from uh, the Ken Robinson finding your element, uh, uh, working through passion thing, which was really appealing to me at the time uh, because that's what I wanted to find. Um, and the work from Carol Dweck on, on mindsets and so on. And it started me on looking at, uh, at what I've done as a career, really. Mm. Um, and so my background is I, I come from a, a sound technology background, a music background. Um, so I did a, a diploma in music in Newcastle many years ago way too many years ago to uh to even worry <laughs> about the number nowadays um and after that i did a, a degree in sound technology at um, a very new university of the, at the time i was only the second year to go through it uh called lipper in liverpool and um that university was set up with um, a lot of sort of uh money from the eu uh, which i was very grateful for because we we had um, all sorts of equipment to play with. How ironic! Yes, indeed. <laughs> uh, 
So it's something I'm really sad about that, that hopefully those opportunities don't disappear. Um, and so I, I had that music background from all that. Um, and the university I went to was a performing arts university. So I got delved into this whole uh, environment where people were doing all sorts of crazy stuff, uh, whether they're actors, musicians, dancers, um, the people who put uh, – set scenery together in costumes we had we had all those different disciplines within the same building um, and it being a fairly small university uh, especially with the first two years going through we we formed some quite close-knit um, friendships and started working across uh, those different disciplines which is brilliant because it brings around that spirit of collaborative uh, um, a collaborative nature to everything you do and that really appeals to me uh, through everything I do. I want to collaborate with with people from various different fields uh, and just gain everything you can um, in terms of creativity because I find it odd that people go to a certain type of person just for all their creative uh, thoughts and all their creative ideas. So if you've done an art degree, generally people will pigeonhole you as a creative whereas if you've done a finance degree maybe not so much whereas i've been in meetings where um we've basically put everybody from the marketing team into the the kind of creative meeting to try and come up with ideas whether it's for a website or whether it's for a um some other element of uh, the creative thought process um and we had uh, this one particular meeting, I remember, where the finance director just po- poked his head around the door um, to have a chat with the uh, director of the company, CEO. And he said, um, oh, can I just have five minutes with you? Uh, uh, discuss this quick with the thing, sign off, whatever it was. Um, and I asked if he could join the meeting for 15 minutes if he had any time. Um, and Luckily, he did have a little bit of time. So he uh, he sat in for 15 minutes and opened up a whole new area for us to to explore, which nobody in the room had thought of. Mm-hmm. And so these little elements all started coming together. And I, was, I started looking at how does creativity work? Um, because I've worked in, obviously, the music uh, industry first off. Then I started working within design uh, and a bit of development sort of stuff as well. But it's always been creativity that's been my thing. And so um, that's what I wanted to look at. And so going through the this, the having startup school uh, online was was brilliant because it opened up even more things to look at. Um uh, but the other serendipitous thing that happened at the time, so I got involved with uh, a guy called Jonathan McDonald, who has um, written a book called, um, I've got it here somewhere on my desk, uh, it's called Powered by Change. Um, mm. And so a lot of similar things that I'd just gone through these uh, the Happy Startup School, a lot of similar things were in our discussions are now subsequently in his book as well. Um based on the idea of purpose um, and passion within a company. Um, and so there's been quite a sort of serendipitous moment for me um, from all these things coming together. Mm. Uh, and we worked together on um, an online um, 
network called uh, Ten, which is a um, thought expansion network. It's based on the idea of uh, having discussions in the same way as the ancient Greeks did. You know, just trying to expand thought rather than um, rather than a lot of online discussions, which seem to be some kind of weird battle. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that all fed into my ideas as well of trying to figure out what is creativity? Where does it come from? Um, are people really disposed uh, to being particularly creative in one way or another? Um, and I started going to see your summer camps, which were absolutely life-changing, just massive mind-melting kind of moment. Uh, <laughs> very first one I went on was brilliant. And uh, I think part of it is because you're surrounded by a community of people who are all doing stuff. And it is that thing where they're, they're all striking while the island's heart, you know. Um, and I've had a bunch of different ideas that I was playing around with. And I kind of disti- needed to distill it down so, to what was the core idea. And so it's taken a long time, you know. This has been a, a, at least four-year journey. Um, and people that I've met through the community um, – and worked with on various different aspects of it from um, people like Charles Davis uh, um, with the very clear ideas kind of stuff, really helping me to get to the clarity of it. Um, And uh, Max with the the needs work, uh, really helping me to understand how needs drive um, passions and purpose. Um, And that's fed into where I'm at now with, uh, along with various, various conversations with you, with, uh, Lawrence, with other people from summer camp, um, like, uh, Floris, uh, who I absolutely love a conversation with Floris every, <laughs> every time I'm there. It's, it's just, um, you know, because creativity is the thing I'm drawn to and he seems to just embody it. <laughs> um, it, but oh, yes. But it's what I've realized from the, from that is that he's embodied um, creativity by by being um, the person who enables creativity, and I realized that's that's the key to it. That's that's the thing: being able to en- enable creativity, and realizing that everybody's got that point to offer that that whatever it is that that uh, that they can bring to the table. And so I was looking at ways of doing this. And a couple of years ago now on Summer Camp, I met with um, uh, Wallo Kuypers, who um, I may be pronouncing his name wrong, and I do apologise <laughs> if I am. Um, and he uh, he was talking about Lego Series Play. And so I started looking into it and uh, have subsequently um, trained in it and so on. And it's just right there with everything I was trying to do. It's it's um, it's based on uh, this idea that within any system, the solution to any problem, opportunity, you know, disaster that's looming, whatever it might be, is, um, is within the system. Mm. And so um, that, that really appealed to me that you can then have all these people in the room and use um lego series play to to bring everything out of them the way the guy um robert rasmussen who uh, 
who really uh, worked um, on the the actual method of Lego serious play. Um, the way he puts it is that instead of having an 80-20 meeting where 20% of the people in the room are coming up with 80% of the, the words that are spoken, 80% of the idea, <laughs> whatever it might be, um, having a 100-100 meeting. So you have 100% of the people in the room giving 100% of what they can and leaving it all on the right. table and using the Lego to do that. And I, I really love that. Um, and some of the side effects of it um, are the idea of creating leaning in, which um, uh, he mentions quite a lot. And uh, it, it does happen because everybody leans in instead of sitting back with their arms folded in a meeting. They're leaning in and they're getting their hands on the Lego um, and, they're, and they're constructing stuff. And that's what I, I find fascinating because then you start to bring out through the use of the metaphor of, of whatever models have been built with the Lego, um, you bring out the stories that people want to bring out onto the table. And it's just able to to let everything emerge, really. Um, and and because of that, I've, I've, I've been doing um, workshops with companies for years um, using tools like design thinking and uh, and game storming. And so these things all kind of have their place within within what I'm trying to create. Um, but one of the other things that I've been doing since I moved up here is um, is a lot of comedy improv. <laughs> and and that fits the whole system as well really well uh, for what I'm trying to do. Um, because comedy improv can really allow people to to let everything out on the table and, and, and um, sort of explore things in a, in a different way than when you're trying to explore them, just having a conversation, which most meetings are. Hmm. So that's kind of how I've got to where I am. Um, <laughs> and I just felt that this year, beginning of this year, I was properly ready to start putting it all together and releasing wow. it as, as its own thing rather than just a side a uh, side of what I do hmm. um, and really getting out there and selling what has now become known as Mundo Novus. Um, I mean, the name actually is uh, probably a complete horrific mashup of terrible Latin knowledge that I've got. So any, <laughs> any Latin scholars are probably thinking, well, you've just not conjugated those words correctly. <laughs> <laughs> um, so it's the two words are uh, Mundo is, is um, the world and Novus being new. So the idea of creating a new world. Um, so that's where the name came from. But the um, I'm, I'm pretty sure that it, it shouldn't be <laughs> written how I've written it. <laughs> but, uh, but I kind of like the, the way it sounded together mm. as an entity in its own. Um, and so there, I got into to putting it all together under that, that one banner um, and, and pushing it out into the world. And strangely, the, the, um, the interest is, is incredible. I mean, it's not, mm. it's, it's not wrong to say that the Lego is very interesting to people. Um, <laughs> and I, I do love this idea of bringing play, bringing play into, um, into everything that, that's done within business because, to me, if it's really boring to go to work, um, then it, 
there's there's a problem there. There's you've already put in a place a uh, um, a kind of an obstacle to to giving everything to work to to your work to the thing you want to do yeah. um, because you're kind of making it a situation where many people don't really want to do it. Um, I read um, Ricardo Semler's book uh, many years ago, Maverick, and um, there's a a piece in it where he was talking to um, when he took over the company from his father and he was uh, looking at ways that he could reshape this company to be more in the image that he had in his head. He was talking to some of the employees about the overtime that they do. Um, and so they'd come in on a Saturday and they'd work. And he said, well, you're wearing like shorts and a T-shirt. He said, well, yeah, it's a Saturday. And he said, well, that's fine. But why do you wear shorts and a T-shirt on a Saturday but a suit or overalls the rest of the week, whatever it might be? And they said, um, well, it just feels more comfortable. He's like, well, <laughs> just wear that to work. <laughs> if you feel more comfortable, just be comfortable at work. And, and it's those little things that I really like. Mm. Uh, I do like um, – I love all those little stories. I mean, one of my, um, my favourite – um, sort of creatives is a, an ad man uh, called Dave Trott. If you ever get hold of any of his books, uh, he, they're all written as almost like blog posts in a book, really. Uh, and they're little vignettes of stories that all got a little point, but he's got a dark sense of humor as well about everything. Um, but it, it's just deliciously funny to see a story or a point put down. And the little kernel of it is is uh, a little mind expansion for you, little thought mm. expansion for you. And um, I have a lot of time for those those little things. Um, I can't remember the name of the guy off the top of my head, but there's a, uh, a speaker who's uh, often talking about these. He's, uh, he's named them TNT, Tiny Notable Things. Um, and for certain companies, they work really well just uh, about 30 miles north of where I'm sat right at the moment in the northwest there's a town called Southport and in Southport um, there's a bookshop and everyone loves this bookshop um, and Waterstones try to open up in the town yeah Waterstones are able to mm. see off any competition because they're they've got the bulk buying um, sort of two for one offers on and things like that that usually attract people but they just couldn't do it in this town. And they were trying to figure out why. And it turns out that uh, this bookshop, which also the name of, I cannot think of right now, um, they wrap every purchase in brown paper and tie it with string. <laughs> and it's just that is their tiny noticeable thing, that people love that little experience of almost being given a present right, <laughs> while you're making a purchase, you know. Mm. Um, so those those are the little creative stories yeah yeah they really give me a lot of uh they really appeal to me so so i get it's interesting listening to you talk um there's a thread that i hear of unlocking ideas Mm. or releasing ideas um and you i heard you talk about humor talk about play um talk about these tiny noticeable things these 
um, subtleties, these kind of like oblique things that you might not necessarily think have an impact, but actually have a big impact. For instance, with the was it the finance director being able to sit in? You never mm. expect him to actually surprise people with the insight. So there's little surprises. It yeah. sounds like yeah. that that come up from. And then I think you started off with the idea of. Um, you said you were interested in collaboration. Mm. And I was wondering whether there's there's an interest always in something, but that interest comes from a personal need for it. Is that, um, is that there? Yeah, I think there is. Um, the, the, the personal need I have um, is kind of an on and off thing. It, I, I, I like to collaborate, which is one of the reasons I, I started doing the comedy improv, working in small teams, just throwing things at each other. Um, and the great thing with improv is it's built on that the sort of central premise is the idea of yes and um, so whatever you throw at somebody or they throw at you it's going to um, have a positive effect on that person they're going to react to it positively and the end bit is that they build on it as well Um, and so that's that's a kind of a, a lovely way of collaborating and um, having worked in, in teams uh, across um, various companies where sometimes the company might be even just a small team in itself or there might be um, a much larger company having worked in, in teams within the BBC and uh, Ministry of Sound and so on. Um, there's a tendency to have... Uh, an odd kind of um, relationship with collaboration sometimes. And I've seen it quite a lot where um, there are industries and businesses, particularly um, bigger businesses, where they, instead of everyone pulling in the same direction, they've set up um, small teams which collaborate within their teams, but then they don't think that, they're actually causing competition between those little teams themselves. Mm. Um, and I, I have a, a problem with, with that kind of um, approach to collaboration only being small scale. It needs to be um, a big scale thing as well. You know, it needs to work mm. within a small team, but it needs to work across a large organization as well. So there's a sense of, silos being created and and tribes being made that are competing yeah indeed i mean i see silos everywhere i was having a conversation um, with an education specialist yesterday um, and we were talking about how silos occur in education so often that um yeah i i i perceive this as well when i went through my education where um you know somebody would come out of uh a chemistry lesson um, and later in the week have gone through a physics lesson and there's huge crossover there in in what they've may have been being taught but because they've been taught in these separate disparate lessons they never perceive that crossover so they have siloed thinking built into into their education mm-hmm. um, and yeah I, i'm starting to sort of see silos <laughs> in in so many places that it, it it's um, 
it's kind of interesting, and, and it's, that's exactly the same thing as we were saying earlier about bringing the finance director into a meeting that was largely um, staffed by the uh, by the marketing team, mm. um, because you do end up with the marketing team being in that silo, and so they might end up using language that is um, almost obstructive to the to their uh, to their mission because. Anybody outside of of uh, of that marketing uh, industry and marketing area might not understand what they're talking about, mm. um, and so they, so they, they create be, a bit of exclusion and become yeah. blinkered in the way they think. Yeah, but they could be also hamstringing their own their own uh, their own purpose on that particular task or or project. And so, for you, I, I get this sense that um, there's a there's some strong, strongly held beliefs around um, being more inclusive, being more uh, working as a collective, working for the common good. Um, have you been experienced the opposite? Have you been experienced a lot of the actually being excluded or feeling not heard? Well, it was an interesting thing when I was working at Ministry of Sound. Um, I was. Uh, initially they're putting their uh, mixes online and so on uh, in, in the very, very early days of streaming um, sound online. So it was all um, sort of Windows Media um, and real formats were the, the kind of the king back then. Luckily, those days are gone. Um, but being in that digital part of the company, uh, there was there was not that much crossover with other parts. So the magazine may cross over with us because we're both part of the media area, but, um, you know, the teams from, um, I don't know, from licensing may not talk to, to the, um, to the other teams that well. And it came to, it, to a point because I, um, I had worked in the recording industry and, um, come from a recording background music background uh, i was able to sort of find a different way through this and became good friends with some of the licensing team some of the um some of the other music publishing teams um and i uh, i was uh, listening to a, a track one day it was called uh, modem uh, we gotta connect look it up it's um it's a a, a house track built largely on the sound of an old modem connecting to the internet. It's nice. kind of crazy. But at the time, you know, really, really current. And um, it was on a, a compilation that Ministry Magazine had put on the front of the magazine. And strangely enough, uh, the licensing team had never heard the track. So I played it to, to uh, one of the licensing team and they were just, oh, we've got, to, we've got to sign this. We've got to license this because this is going to be pretty large in the clubs this summer. Um, I think it, they'd, um, there'd been a track called Somebody Answer the Phone recently before <laughs> that, which was built on a, um, I think it might have been a Nokia ringtone maybe. <laughs> um, and so uh, these these things were kind of all of a, a zeitgeist at the time. But I, thought, I just found it very interesting that, the track could be on a compilation that the magazine was putting out, but the licensing um, and compilations team hadn't heard heard it. And so that made me realise that 
the Ministry Magazine's compilation had nothing to do with the compilations part of um, Ministry of Sound's recording company at the time. <laughs> I thought there, there should be more crossover, surely. There should be more, uh, more of a collaborative spirit. And what do you think that's down to? Is that truly down to just the way an organisation is built or is there an attitude or a, an ego there? Um, it could be a, uh, any of them, really. But um, I, from from looking at uh, how uh, ministry was set up in, in those days, uh, we were quite separate in the ways we worked, even though the office was largely kind of... Um, kind of open plan the teams were still very disparate we were stretched over quite a a, a large office that was in uh built in an odd way due to mm. the fact there was a club right in the middle of it um, <laughs> which um, so you're physically which, separated yeah which was uh which was quite interesting but um so i think there was there was some physical elements to it but there was probably also some um some egos getting in the way that um, perhaps um, if you are working on the magazine, you and you're putting out the whole the whole thing, including the compilation that's stuck to the front, um, uh, then there probably is like, yeah, we own this bit. This is this is ours. This is our offering. This is our production. So, um, so perhaps there isn't uh, the need for that kind of crossover, or the or the or the desire for it. You know. And do you think, um, or oh, here's a question, how would you see Mundo Novus helping a company like Ministry? Um, I think it's uh, it's in an air, area where you could actually bring in something like Lego Series Play or some improv and just find common values through that. You could uh, rewrite... Uh, the organization's um, kind of values uh, statement by incorporating everybody's values within that. I'm also a great believer that if you don't try, at least try to align your, um, your organization's values with the people who are actually there, then there's going to be some kind of disconnect and that disconnect can get larger and larger as as long as this goes on, as long as you can uh you you fail to kind of address that situation. Mm. Um and so I think that, that bringing something like Lego series play or improv to play out ideas and play out different uh aspects of of uh of what might what what could happen. Because I, I I think with a lot of meetings, people don't don't even entertain. What could we do? It's all, mm. Well, quite a lot of the time, it's now we've always done it like this. It's fear based. Yeah. Whereas the play element of of all of this allows um, a more kind of let's open the play box and just see everything <laughs> that springs out. And so, what I heard you say before was. Um... The way you could help is, is around. It sounds like company culture, mm. and then bringing people together to to co-create that culture. Yes, um, I mean, I'm I'm interested in in various aspects. Um, in fact, I'm doing a, a 
uh, a Lego Series Play um, thing almost it's almost on a one-to-one basis because everybody's going to be coming with their own idea and they're not actually a, a proper team um, for startups based in in Liverpool through Liverpool mm, Central, nice. Central Library and it's yeah, I, I've developed I've designed and developed a couple, a couple of options for for them to to um, to mull over and see which one we deliver um, and one of them is based on the idea of aligning your needs with your intended um, future businesses needs mm. so that you've got that throughput. Um, Sounds great. And so I'm, I'm interested in looking on, on, on various levels, whether it's a, a, a large organization that needs the organization looking at or whether it needs um, even just a product or a service that they offer. Um, if they just need to look at that because – who knows that there might have there might have been something coming to market that's completely disrupting going about to disrupt their business and they need to look at ways that they can react to that so what would you excite what would excite you because i first heard you talking about working with people one to one then you started then it was a bit of a cognitive jump for me it then went on working on the business and then you start thinking talking about the product um, yeah, I mean, for, for me per, personally, um, I at the moment I really like the the one to one kind of stuff. Mm. Um, but I think the real value is in um, building stuff that's for whole teams to to be able to be talking about the same thing because the one to one stuff is is. Um, is less scalable yeah well it's not that it's less scalable <laughs> i think it's just that it's uh it's just that one person's thoughts that are emerging their their own creativity whereas um when you're creating models and then putting them into a shared model of the same kind of or responding to the same kind of question because that's what where the uh the beauty of lego series play really lies is in right asking the right question um and then so you're talking about thing. impact there yeah so if, if everyone's putting it all together it, within within that one question you're mm. getting much more out on the table which can affect an awful lot more um than, than we really realize so what what came across for me was um i prefer to work one-to-one mm. so there's something about that but I feel a need to make impact, so I, I should work with more people. Yeah. Um, although, I mean, the, the preference of working one-to-one is uh, is really just that I, I want to really start help small startups and small uh, – okay. because for me, the, uh, the idea that there's um, innovation within uh, something that already exists – is probably a little less exciting for me than when something's about to start. Um, when something's about to start, there's, I don't know, and there's more of a, a kind of... Um, so more, the word impact springs to mind again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's, it, there's a big uh, thing about impact. I, I, I of, I've not really looked at sort of reflective on it personally. This is, so this is really interesting for me right now. But um, the the kind of impacts that i want to bring about are 
obviously on various different levels, but um, I get most the most satisfaction out of bringing out uh, an impact when um, when you've seen something go through that, all those development mm. stages. So years ago, I started working with um, a company based in Brighton called Morvello, who uh, create cycling clothing, and um, started with them right from the beginning of their company. Um, and worked with them for a, for a decade, um, helping them grow the company uh, through the design development work that I was doing for them um, and a lot of online work that I was doing for them. And um, just seeing it go from that tiny little thing to what is now a multinational company, really, so selling <laughs> over the globe and, uh, and doing really well, um, that was and you contributed to it yeah yeah it's the the whole journey there was was really exciting so i think um <clears throat> so it's kind of i'm curious about this this kind of uh conversation around the business and the work you want to do mm. inspired of course by charles and max and tom uh florist and all the people that we met through summer camp at the happy startup school mm. But there's the there's your need, and I and this is I'm going to take a leap. There's this feeling like I I like the feeling of impact. I like the feeling of contribution, that need for contribution, that need for um, making a change or being being part of a change, a positive change that happens. Yeah. And then there's how that can come about. And I think the the interesting thing for me was this. Um, I love the imp- I like to see the impact happen, uh, and one to one is the first thing that you said was one to one, and then there's but I should do it on a bigger scale, i.e., with more people, because that's where I'll make more impact. I think so. Um, I think there's 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 more power in in some of these things when they when there's a bigger group involved. Um, so the creative part of this for me which is interesting is how could you work one-to-one and see that impact happening viscerally in front of your eyes while still making impact on a broader scale um it's just a question yeah i mean i for me it's um it's part of being because all I'm really offering is is uh, facilitation of these things. Mm. Um, I'm not really uh, going to be a consultant that brings the ideas. The ideas are there. Um, yeah. I'm essentially acting uh, as some kind of midwife <laughs> and bringing these ideas out by using various methods. Mm. Um, so from that point of view the facilitation doesn't change whether there's a group of 12 people or whether there's just one one person mm. um it's it's still the same there's obviously a little bit more wrangling going on if there's 12 people because yeah. people can get off topic when there's um, a, a bunch of people <laughs> but the great thing is you can just bring them back to the models that's that's really uh, a real strength of Lego Series play is bringing everyone back to the models and talking about the models. Um, I think it's, I, I've actually, I ex- funnily enough, I experienced that yesterday. Um, uh-huh. I'm being coached by a guy called Matt Burgess. Uh, and we, this yesterday session was about using Lego. Oh, what? Um, 
And the fascinating thing for me was the previous session we'd done was just like on a massive whiteboard, kind of sketching stuff out. Yeah. And then um, yesterday was more about Lego. Uh, and with the whiteboard and sketching things out, you could see all of the ideas there and you could start seeing patterns. But the thing about the Lego is you could take an idea and you could make it evolve mm. and by shifting blocks and bricks and changing it. It it was a it, it helped you evolve the idea by trying to explain what that meant by changing the bricks, but also you were more focused. Like with a big whiteboard, you know, this is a whole whiteboard wall with like I don't know hundreds of words on there, yes. which felt quite overwhelming and and great for exploration, but really hard for understanding or basically crafting a story. While with Lego was very focused, the thing was in front of you. You were trying to move stuff around, and then you were trying to explain it. Yes, yeah. Which one to one felt really, really powerful. Yeah, it can be. Uh, but the, I think the element also with with having the Lego is um, there's a whole thing on constructivism and and then subsequently constructionism. Um, uh, started by um, constructivism was started by a, a psychologist called uh, Jean Piaget. Um, and it's about the idea that um, knowledge doesn't really come from somebody telling you something. Mm. Um, I think he, he had uh, this idea that we're not empty vessels just waiting to be filled with knowledge, uh, and it kind of it goes against how we teach in the schools. This, you know, he uh, said that that actually children, uh, when you look at how they uh, they come by their knowledge. It's more of active active theory building, mm. uh, and he showed this in an experiment with um, with kids with uh, glasses. They got two glasses um, for water. One was tall, and the other one was short, uh, but wider. Um, and so he was would fill the tall one with water, um, and then asked the children what they thought would happen if he he poured it into the other one. And because it wasn't as tall, they'd already built this model that taller meant you could get more in it. Uh, Mm. They thought that it would overflow, that there wasn't enough room for that water. But they they could be exactly the same volume. The children hadn't created that that, uh, that, um, sort of model in their own theory building. And so knowledge is kind of generally built on these these theories one of the things he found was that you can't just um uh hello you can't can't just um tell somebody that they've got it wrong they have to rebuild their whole theory yeah so uh it's it's a very active uh, approach and then that went on to into constructionism um, and the constructionism is is taking all of that and then actually realizing that through the uh, the actual building of something physical external to ourselves uh, allows us to actually build something in our own mind as well. Mm. So we're building two things at the same time. Um, the, what was the quote? I think it was something like a better learning doesn't come from finding better ways for the teacher to instruct, uh, but from giving the learner better opportunities to construct 
I think was the quote. Mm. Um, and so it, a lot of this has come through through um, the the last sort of four years. I've been looking into these these ways of where ideas come from, which led me down mm. the path of where does actual knowledge come from. Uh, mm. And so it's it's built uh, largely on on the the work of these two psychologists, um, Piaget and Papert. Papert. Cool. Um, so learning, I, I hear it's this whole learning by doing mm-hmm. uh, seems to seems to be part of that, and yeah, um, and then and using those tools and then embodying that knowledge somehow, not just by listening, yeah, but by using and creating. But yeah, and that's the way that the Lego series play can um, help more um, more emerge than if we just talk about something. Uh, mm. there can be uh, a, a greater emergence. The idea is that you can actually allow the things to emerge that you didn't realise that you knew. So there's a lot that we don't know that we know. Uh, yeah. Uh, and it's it's able to come out by um, by using this constructionist technique. No, I definitely found that yesterday. Uh, and the, through building something and having something suddenly appear, mm through not even thinking yes well that was the interesting thing your hands are just moving you're just looking at the bricks and the bricks are coming together and then next thing you know you have this thing and you're trying to work out what does that mean yeah yeah. (laughs) where did that come from that's the interesting thing that's the thing one of the things that still blows my hair back with uh, lego series play um is that when you have people who are sat in the room who may be skeptical about something and so they the question always comes up of and when, no matter which groups you're working with or even uh, one-to-one, it happens quite a lot with one-to-one. Um, somebody will ask or say, I don't know what to build. Mm. Just build. Just start putting bricks together and, and something will emerge. Uh, it's, exactly. It's uh, People don't trust their own creativity. Yeah, indeed. Well, it's amazing That's how cool. many people say they're not creative. It's, yeah, it's the one thing that make makes us real, marks us out as humans more than anything else. Is that we're um, we're all very creative. Well, it sounds like it's your mission to 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 reprogram people um, and give them that ability. And so I'm curious as to like where you are, where you're at now, mm. and what is what where you want to go next, and what's in your way. Um, I think with uh, where I want to go next, I, I, I really want to grow this uh, this Monday Novus thing to be um, to be able to kind of take it into any organisation. Um, in terms of what's in my way, I think the idea of taking play into business is still a little bit. Um, almost a little bit frowned upon it's mm-hmm. uh it's it's difficult to break the idea that people won't take play seriously that's why uh, one of the things i like about it being lego serious play is mm. uh it, it puts on front street there's a serious element to this but if you watch little kids play and i'm sure you've seen it with uh, with your children mm. play can be really serious <laughs> you know <laughs> it's like they can be completely in this world where everything is is so real and you've got to solve whatever the problems might be right there and then. Yeah. So it sounds like um, 
the work to be done at the moment is telling that story to then uh, have businesses understand yes. what the importance of this. Yes, uh, and I think um, when I listen back to, to this uh, podcast, um, I, I may well, uh, uh, along with your questions, have, have uncovered probably enough to write blog posts for the next year of... <laughs> kind of pulling on, on different points that have been been raised throughout this conversation. Um, Fantastic! Because well, I hope that's been useful then. Well, yeah. Hopefully, we get to to that area where I can actually, because I feel like I'm when I get into one of these uh, these discussions and conversations, I feel like I'm a little I, I'm a little scattergun. I've got to work a bit on that, um, so I do jump around a bit, but I. I feel like um, I'm starting to get to a point where I can really form these thoughts into something that's much clearer. Uh, right, I, there's definitely some uh, core threads that you seem to go back to mm. and, and to essentially seem to form the backbone of what you want to do. And I think it's also, it's, it's this is one of the reasons I, I like to do these podcasts, particularly with people like yourself who are, in the process you know you're in the thick of it you're in the thick of creating and uh, and it's a, a, you know it's under being basically articulating more clearly for yourself and for others what it is you're trying to do which is the whole unpicking of spaghetti but then that like you said again with the construction of this constructionist and creativist approach is like you you can't do that if it's just in your head you need to be doing things Indeed, yeah. Yeah. in order for those ideas to, and and having conversations or writing or sharing or making for me is is kind of important in that process which is the play thing which is why businesses who are stuck in their own heads not playing creating and making in a way that allows ideas to emerge are going to be hampered yeah yeah yeah, I mean, it comes down to uh, um, a guy I met uh, a couple of years ago, uh, Yuri Van Geest. He works for the Singularity University, um, and he uh, he wrote a book um, or co-wrote a book called Exponential Organizations a few years back. Uh, and he was just he said to me uh, a few years back that the the slowest rate of change you're ever going to experience is the rate you've just experienced today. It's mm. always going to get quicker. And I think, well, it, if we don't start to explore different ways of having ideas, we may well get left behind by, by this expen exponential speed up. Mm. And there's some big problems that we need to solve as well. There are indeed. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> are indeed. Cool. Well, thank you very much for joining me on this and 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 fascinated by the story and the the journey you've taken us on where you come from in music engineering and to now helping us solve some very big problems through play well i'm hoping so that would be uh that would be uh, actually that oh, would be my no, dream. It's no it's never hope it's i know so oh yes indeed <laughs> thank you carlos awesome thank you Thanks for listening to this Happy Startup School community podcast. If you want to find out more about what we do, then check out our website, www.thehappystartupschool.com. You'll find out more about our community, the courses that we offer, 
and also the conversations and content that we're trying to create to help you get clear about how to build a purposeful business without burning out. So if you're trying to balance the money and the meaning, creating impact and avoiding imposter syndrome, then join us and our group and tribe of like-minded, caring, compassionate and flawed entrepreneurs on this journey trying to work out how to make money, do good and be happy.